Welcome to the SB Live California podcast, Full House again. Mitch Stevens, Bodie De Silva, and Lance Smith all join me this week talking California high school football. Mitch, let's start with you because up north, big, big games last week. Sarah wins 17-12 to over Folsom, and then you saw Jurion Dickey make his debut at a new school. I want to get into all of that. What were some of the keys that you saw in Sarah's win, and what did you learn about both of those teams so early in the year? Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, I just learned that uh, two very tough teams. Uh, I think I was expecting uh, with Sarah and, and Folsom just uh, a lot more offense, and they were really – it was a defensive struggle. I mean, I don't know in the last time Folsom has not scored a touchdown in, uh, you know, it was over two quarters. They held them scoreless uh, basically for the last – Sarah did in the last uh, – 24 plus eight is, uh, you know, uh, 32 minutes. So um, I was uh, very impressed just with the toughness. It wasn't a beautiful game. I mean, there was lots of mistakes. And, of course, there was a lot of cramping up, which delayed the game. But uh, Sarah's uh, – but they they just, uh, you know, got tough. And they were tough when they needed to most. Um, uh but I think Folsom will be back. I think it's a week two game. I, I've noticed week two games sometimes there's a little, little like, you know, there's that big charge you get out in the season opener. And then, uh, then you know, you just kind of go flat a little bit. And uh, Sarah had a lot to do with that. Um, the two great uh, young quarterbacks, junior quarterbacks, very similar in size and skill. Uh, but um, – Anyway, it was, a, it was a really good high school football game. Does watching that make you think De La Salle might be able to get back to the Open Division State Championship this year? Yeah, that's a good call. Obviously, Sarah now goes right into De La Salle. You know, all these teams play each other. It's great. Well, you know, the commissioners, uh, CIF won't have to make a decision that should be made for them. Uh, they all play each other, all the good teams. Pittsburgh's going to play Folsom. Uh, so on, so on and so forth. Um, you know, De La Salle evidently wasn't super, you know, impressive in their first game. They were up just 22-20 in the fourth quarter, and uh, but they had enough to win. Um, but the Sarah and uh, De La Salle game will go a long ways too. But I, I think Sarah definitely has a shot. I mean, uh, you know, we have them higher in the ranking, and, and some people just, you know, they think they're the favorite. But um, we'll see, yeah. But uh, Dale Sound, sure. They, I think these teams are all super, super close. One final Sarah Folsom question. What was one thing you learned watching that game that maybe you didn't know going into it? Well, I mean, there was a lot of unknowns. Uh, you, you know, there's just a lot of new personnel. So um, I'd have to say, uh, you know, Jabari Mann is a, a two-way player for Sarah that I've heard a lot about. But uh, I, I really didn't – I'd seen him when he was a little younger. I mean, he's been playing on the varsity since a freshman. He's a junior now. But uh, he's just bigger and more physical. And, uh, man, he was uh, very impressive on both sides of the ball. So, uh, I mean, there, I learned probably a lot more. But he, he was one, one uh, kid I was really impressed with. And then on Saturday, I know I'm asking you a lot of questions to begin the show. We'll get no to Bodie and, and Lance uh, momentarily. Yeah. Got to touch on Jurion Dickey making his debut for, for Menlo Atherton. And they were down pretty big against Bellarmine and then flip switch and Dickey goes off and they, they 
win by a pretty comfortable margin. Uh, what what a crazy game from him, Mitch. Takeaways from that one. I think the first is evident that Jerry on Dickey is really good, but we already knew that. So what were some of your thoughts <laughs> after that game? Yeah, you know, I mean, I just I just think going into a new environment, uh, so you know, every all the eyeballs are on this kid. Um, you know, I, I almost felt for him. I, I felt for him for, certainly for the first uh, quarter and a half. I, I it looked like oh, this is just going to be a dud. Uh, you know, a, a debut. He's going to have to answer a lot of you know this kind of questions of coaches. It just looked pretty awful, and he he just uh, his will. He you know it's not just that he's a talented kid. He he's so talented, but man, he, he really has a lot of heart, and uh, he really wanted to win. Uh, you know these are there's so much uh, talk to talk about Jerry and Dickey and his you know his his transfer. You know possibly he's going to Southern California but he, he stays at home where, where he should be. You know, it, it, this is actually closer to his hometown and, and where he really grew up. And he's around friends and family. And you could really feel that at this game, and he really wanted to do well for them. And, wow, did he. I mean, I've seen him since a freshman, and he was, uh, he's been fantastic since his freshman year. I mean, I remember seeing him as a freshman going, wow, that kid is going to be really good. But he was at a whole nother level. He just – I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm just going to say something that probably shouldn't, but I mean, he looked like an NFL kid. I mean, just his size and, and just everything. And, and Bellerman was in the right place every time they, they were there, you know, but he was just, he's just a grade, uh, you know, levels of, of, above high school players. So, uh, but I was really, I, the last thing I'll just say, I mean, I got to talk to him afterwards and I just, I kind of have a, a you know, new fond affection just for his, uh, his demeanor. He's just a, a nice kid. And uh, that, that made the whole day even more pleasant. Yeah. When we weren't sure where he was going to go, I was pretty bummed because in my opinion, he's the best receiver <laughs> in California high school football. So if he was going to leave the state, I would have been disappointed yeah. that we wouldn't have the chance to cover him. So uh, sure. happy he, he stayed around and we get a full season of him and uh, what's more to come from him. Who, who knows? Because he, he really set the bar high in that first game. Bodie, let's go over to you. Speaking of setting the bar high, Corona Centennial, they've outscored their two opponents so far this year, like 127 to seven or something ridiculous like that. It's in my power 25 article. That math might be wrong, but it's something like that. And you saw them go down to San Diego, beat Cathedral Catholic 42 to seven. You also saw that same game a year ago when Cathedral Catholic was a little better. Corona Centennial, maybe a little better, but probably pretty similar to where they are. Uh, this year based on uh, last year. What were your thoughts on that game, Bodie? Do you, do you give Corona Centennial a chance to maybe upset modern day this week? Yeah, I was impressed once again. I mean, Centennial, it was almost a repeat of last year um, with just a little less offense on both sides. But I think some of that is Cathedral last year just kept pushing and, and had some guys to score this year. They just don't have uh, those same guys. They lost so much, but, and that's not to take away from Centennial. They, they looked great. They did everything they needed to. It was 42 nothing heading into the fourth quarter. Um, they barely utilized their receivers. There was no need to. They were just running at will. Um, and it was Cornell Hatcher. And, and so impressive for a guy who I think coming into the year was really looked at as the backup, but had a lot of experience as a sophomore last year and um, goes and rushes for 200 yards. It, I mean, being at the game, it, it didn't even feel like that. It, I mean, 18 carries, four touchdowns. It, it did feel like every time he touched it, he was just getting in, in the end zone. And 
and their defense was so impressive. It's not a ton of these five-star names, but they've got solid guys, it feels like, throughout. Um, and they didn't allow Cathedral to really do anything. I mean, pass game, Cathedral was 6 of 15 for 36 yards, and then on the ground, Cathedral ran for 122 yards, but that was on 41 carries. So um, I think Centennial was super pleased with what they did, and I think most impressively, there was no look ahead from them um, with knowing modern days a week ahead, it's a home game. It's going to be the big one of the biggest home games in recent memory. Um, obviously, tickets have been in a premium, and and knowing that modern day was out there, and I don't know if they looked ahead, but they just had a really tough battle against modern day. So I definitely give Centennial a chance. Um, feels like, you know, they were really close last year. You were at that game. Um, felt like following along that way that they were almost there to pull it off and um, couldn't end up scoring a couple times when they needed to, but. Yeah, Centennial's really impressive for Cathedral. Can't take much away. I mean, they're still one of the two, three best down here at worst. Um, if they can get some offense going, they it's hard to say that they won't be in the Open Division Championship down here, but um, they've got a ways to go on that side of the ball. Defensively, they can hold their own against anyone that's probably not Bosco, Potter Day, and, and Centennial. But, um, yeah, that's seeing Cathedral for the second week in a row, and I'll see him again this week, but it, it just – it just shows the difference of what those top three or four are in the Southern section um, compared to everyone else pretty much um, going South here. I know that Cathedral Catholic isn't a great barometer for a team's pass defense because they run the ball a lot more, but I'm very interested because last year, Bodie Corona Centennial, the best part of their defense was their secondary. And I think on paper, that's probably the worst part of their defense this year, just because it's a, a lot of inexperienced guys. I still think it's very good, but they're replacing Jade Mickey, who went to Notre Dame, Eric Butler, who uh, I think is at San Diego State. So they had to replace some guys. Could could you get any takeaways from Corona Centennial's defense? Was it just they got a lot of pressure up front and you couldn't really tell anything about the secondary? Uh, just any thoughts on, on the Huskies' defense heading into this game against Modern Day? Because I think that's a really important piece of uh, this game coming up on Friday. Yeah, with Cathedral, even like last year when they had some guys to go deep with, um, they just don't do it a ton. And so it's even tougher this year when new quarterback, brand new receivers, um, not a line that they can really trust to, to get a bunch of time for their quarterback to, to make some passes. But yeah, when when they did put the ball in the air, it was, it was covered well. Um, there was a really nice one-handed interception there in the fourth quarter. Um, by Centennial, that was, uh, shoot, who was his name? Uh, Cedric Williams, a sophomore there, made a, a really nice play on that ball. So, yeah, I think they'll definitely be tested. But as we've seen with Modern Day, it's not the same uh, receiving crew as they've had in recent years. Not to say it's bad. It's it's Modern Day. It's never going to be a bad crew there. But it's it's definitely not what it was last year. So that that will be a good test. And um, for Centennial, I, it's tough for me to say they don't they don't have the guys to defend it because I really think they do. Yeah, we'll talk more about that modern day centennial game coming up. I'm excited to see how Chandler from Arizona does against Cathedral Catholic this week. If it's similar to Corona Centennial, they'll be warranted because I think they're at uh, number six in my power 25. But if Cathedral Catholic plays them closer, I'll probably have to move Chandler down. And do you give any shot of a upset this week with Cathedral Catholic Bodie? Yeah, I'll be interested to see what they can kind of learn um, a week later. Um, and from Chandler's Point of view it is game one so maybe they come out a little slow the first quarter or two but um having gone through chandler's roster here in, in recent days um not that centennial doesn't have guys to quarterback but when you have the unanimous number one junior in the country by every recruiting service and in, in dylan rayola um headed to to ohio state here in a couple of years um with the weapons he's got with the defense they've got 
Um, maybe they start slow for a quarter, but I have to think that that they'll show who they are and um, ultimately will be too much for Cathedral. Whether or not it's it's a running clock 35-point game in the fourth quarter, who knows there, but I, I think it would be, I don't know, something in the 42-14, 42-17 range maybe would be what I'm, I'm expecting. Have that camera ready every time Rayola drops back. So <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> whether I have to go to the end zone ahead of time, if it's going to be a running play, that's always the debate of where you line up. We need those highlights for when he makes it big and we can oh, yeah. get our YouTube and Tempest revenue. Okay, that was kind of a look behind the curtain there. All right, Lance. Uh, so Santa Margarita, big win over Norco. First, Lance, why did Santa Margarita have such a tough time against San Juan Hills? Did you have any insight into why they didn't look so great that, that first game? Because I was really surprised that it was a fourth quarter game. Not to take anything away from San Juan Hills. I think we ranked them in, in the 40s uh, in our top 50 to begin the year. But we were very high on Santa Margarita, and they didn't make us look good in that first game. So they, they looked better in the second game. Any information on why they didn't look good that first one? And what were your thoughts on game two, a big win over Norco? It looked even worse the night before they played Norco when uh, Cypress beat San Juan Hills significantly worse than Santa Margarita did. I do have a little bit of insight on it. Uh, it was the first game. They never got into a rhythm and uh, they just never opened up the offense. That was what Coach Ruse told me. Uh, they ran it a lot. And when they did pass, uh, it was just more conservative. I, I kind of wish I had asked for a little bit more details, but that was the general gist of it. Just not in a rhythm. OK, let's let's not take too many risks. Uh, so when I was going to see them against Norco, not only is that a potential revenge game because Norco beat them 40-22 last year, so that kind of sets the stage, but also it was, I, I was going there to see, is something wrong with Santa Margarita? And very clearly there is nothing wrong with Santa Margarita. It was just a case of a case of uh, first game, first game rust, and they looked like the exact team that we expected them to be uh, against Norco and that, that was pretty much my only major takeaway from it is, is Santa Margarita is Santa Margarita. This isn't the same Norco team we saw. I think Norco is still going to be a very good team, but clearly not division one good. Uh, but that not a whole lot of, not, not a whole lot of individual angles or takeaways when it's just uh, the Eagles were firing on all cylinders and just outclass them uh, pretty much all across the field in all three phases. Last year was interesting in the Trinity league because the three top teams with, with Servite and then the, the two big dogs were top 15 in the country. This year, the third place team in the Trinity League will not be that highly rated. But after that game, Lance, that it looked like Santa Margarita still probably will have that third place uh, spot on lock. I know Orange Lutheran maybe could get into the mix a little bit. I don't anticipate Servite or Jay Sarah. But uh, to me, I, I seeing that result makes me think, okay, Santa Margarita probably still will finish high in that league. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. I, I won't say lock. Uh, I, I think Orange Lutheran and Jay Sarah are simply potent enough, uh, especially Orange Lutheran. They just have, uh, it sounds like a little bit more big play potential uh, this year uh, against the teams they've already beaten. But uh, yes, I certainly would be very surprised if they don't win uh, third place in the Trinity League. I, I won't guarantee it, but I, I, I would say they are the heavy favorite for it. And uh, I certainly, as as I was watching them, needless to say, I was asking myself every single play, probably overanalyzing, okay, so does this mean they can play against Bosco? Does this mean they have any chance against modern day? And I didn't quite have an answer about that, but I, I absolutely came away thinking they're a top 40, 50, at least team in the country. And uh, 
certain certainly that uh, that third powerhouse in the Trinity League, even if the Trinity League isn't quite a three horse race the way it was last year. Uh, but I guess jury's still out on whether or not they could at least uh, give, say, modern day a run for their money. Last thing, anyone from Norco get your attention? Someone you want to shout out? That's that's a good question. Uh, I think Tyler Dudden, their their quarterback, a uh, guy who already has D1 offers before uh, really playing much varsity ball. Uh, I, I, I was impressed by him. I don't have any numbers to back it up. Uh, he did have one nice rushing touchdown at the end, but he looked he was making the right plays, the right throws. He the, the way he led his team, even though it was adversity from the get go, it, it made me very much say okay, when they are playing a little bit more realistic of an opponent opponent for them and uh, the rest of his his team is going a little bit more, I think he's going to absolutely be ready uh, from the start uh, to be that guy for them. And, and I guess while we're talking about individuals, should talk about Jackson Potter. Um, he is a guy who last year, you know, he throws for 17, intercept, throws 17 interceptions, but the whole rest of his line looks great. Uh, 260 passing yards a game. Uh, with the schedule that Santa Margarita plays uh, is pretty nasty and uh, three-star UAB commit. I I think Jackson Potter could absolutely be a top seven or eight quarterback in the state this year. He has a lot to prove to do it, but I do think his talent level and his upside are that high. Uh, He has a huge arm and so many of his passes are big downfield shots, which is why he's never going to be a guy who probably completes, you know, 68, 70% of his passes. But the fact that they rely on him so heavily uh, to lead the charge with aggressive downfield shots and, you know, going against the best defenses and he makes those throws and he's aggressive and uh, he's so much quicker and better outside the pocket uh, than, than people realize his, I, I think if he wanted to run more uh, there, there are times I watch him and I say he should run more Um but certainly his ability to make plays outside the pocket is, is way above what anyone who hasn't seen him uh, w- w- would guess. So I, I, I think if he can cut down on those interceptions and, and through two games, he doesn't have any, of course, we'll check back in on that during the Trinity League gauntlet. But I, I think that was the other individual standout for me is, is Jackson Potter showed flashes of being that dude last year. Uh, certainly, for instance, when they came back and beat Los Al, I, I think he is that dude. And, and if he doesn't finish as top eight, top 10 quarterback in the state, he'll be dang close. He's a hidden gem. All right. Thank you, Lance. So I was in Las Vegas for modern day's 24, 21 win over Bishop Gorman. We talk about new faces so early in the year. Modern day has a lot of them. Uh, I was really impressed with senior receiver Jordan Onavug. I hope I'm saying that right, Jordan. Number 14, he led the team in receptions, especially uh, that was especially significant because Jack Ressler, modern day's uh, on the on paper for them, their top receiver went out with a shoulder injury very early. So Jordan took over and, and did really well, caught a touchdown. Uh, just looked like he belonged going up against really talented Bishop Gorman corners and, and, and safeties. It, it was awesome. Uh, Nasir Wyatt is the next great linebacker for modern day. He's a sophomore. He was offered by the University of Georgia after the game. He is going to be one of the best defensive players in California this year, next year, and then the year after that. Uh, and then Christian Patero, a safety who's built like a linebacker, made a bunch of really big plays for modern day. He kind of gets lost in the shuffle when you talk about a lot of their big recruits. Um, really impressed with what he did. And just defensively for modern day, they 
gave up 14 points quickly in the first quarter and then only seven for the final three quarters. So they made some adjustments on offense. They made some adjustments. Um, Elijah Brown took some shots. I thought early in the game, the offensive line for modern day for as much credit as we give them, they, they struggled to their, for their high standard. Uh, and then in the second half that totally went away. Modern day decided to run the ball a lot more. They didn't hit any home run runs where like big 80 yard touchdowns or anything just slowly chipped away at Bishop Foreman. Really, really impressive win. I think overall, I felt like I learned more about Bishop Borman after that game. They're a really, really good high school football team, and they probably will be in our top 10 in the Power 25 for the rest of the season. Uh, for modern day, learned you know a lot about these new guys, but I want to see it now after a, a week where they were really tested what it looks like the next week against Corona Centennial. I'm sure a lot of guys are, are banged up because Bishop Borman really gave modern day it's best shot. So uh, th- this game, I, I am so excited for uh, modern day at Corona Centennial and, and Mitch Lance Bodie, if anyone wants to chime in, I, I give Corona Centennial a really, really good chance to win. I think this is the closest these two teams have been in a long time last year. I didn't think they were that close. Then Corona Centennial really, really impressed me in that semifinal loss. You can make an argument. They should have won that game. They were stuffed at the goal line twice on, on fourth down. If they walk away with one touchdown, who knows how modern day plays it, but uh, when it, I think it was 21, 16 was the final. So if one fourth and goal goes Corona Centennial's way, they win that game and modern day this year, that team has taken a, a small step back from where they were a, a year ago because of all the losses to graduation and Corona Centennial. The only spot I think they're way weaker is in the secondary and uh, modern day, their receivers are not as good as last year. So, so that should be a good advantage for, for the Huskies, uh, Lance or, or Mitch, anyone want to sound off on this game? I, like I said, I, I would not be surprised if Corona Centennial won. I, I really give them a good shot. I think how you broke it down is good. I don't think there's a whole lot else that needs to be said other than that they Corona Centennial almost beat them last year. And if anyone's gotten better uh, between then and now, it's probably Centennial. Or if anyone's taken a step back, it's probably modern day. I mean, it just sounds like such a hot take based on the last, uh, you know, six or seven years before that playoff semifinal that Centennial has a shot at modern day or that dang near anyone not named St. John Bosco has a shot at modern day. But uh, just because that's not a thing we're used to, I, I think there's there's no argument to make that they don't have a legit shot this year. Yeah, Mitch, any thoughts from you? Yeah, well, the one that I have was uh, kind of a bigger picture deal of just uh, you guys talked about what uh, Centennial faced last week and what modern day faced last week, you know, in the game I saw with Sarah and uh, Folsom, you know, Sarah uh, decided they didn't have, they didn't play the week before they didn't scrimmage. And, you know, I, I just, I, there's a lot to be said and, and there's, you know, people are asking, you know, how, how much uh, hitting you should do before, you know, in other words, I mean, modern days was in a physical dog fight. Centennial wasn't, and it would just be interesting to see, you know, are, are they going to be fatigued or are they going to be banged up? Uh, that, that kind of thing, just going into the game. Yeah, definitely. I think one interesting thing too, Mitch. So last year, Elijah Brown, every game, except for one, he threw a touchdown and the one he didn't was against Corona Centennial mm. at defense for, for the Huskies. I don't want to say figured out Elijah Brown because that's not fair to to Elijah, but they pressured him more than I think he had been pressured a year ago. And if they can do that again this year, I will be 
really, really impressed. And I will, like I, I mean, I've already given Corona Centennial a chance, but, but they kind of had the recipe a year ago. And if they can duplicate it this year, uh, they, that will, will give them a great, great opportunity. Um, so I, Elijah, that was the one game he started 19 and 0 in his career. I covered his first game, covered a million modern day games. The only game I thought he ever looked rattled was last year against Corona Centennial. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Let's go around the horn quickly, just to where we're going to be at this weekend. Uh, I, of course, will be at the modern-day Corona Centennial game. We just touched on that. So, Mitch, let's go to you. Another big game in Northern California. Uh, fill, fill us in on where you'll be. Yeah, I'll be, uh, as mentioned, uh, Sarah is going to be at Dale South. It's an ESPN game, 8 o'clock. It's supposed to be 100-and-something uh, during the day. We'll see how that works out. But, uh, uh, yeah, and that should be uh, – they haven't played in six years uh, uh, pa- Patrick Walsh and Justin Allenbaugh, the two coaches, are best – pals uh they you know, they both went to de la salle and uh, they played 10 years in a row de la salle beat them all 10 years uh four of the games were competitive uh patrick uh for sarah didn't think there was any reason to you know just get beat and it wasn't maybe good for de la salle this one will be this will be a, a down to the wire game for sure so i'm, I'm uh, really looking forward to it any prediction on tuesday at 4 32 pacific time I picked against Sarah last week and I heard all about it. Um, and I'm going to pick against them again. <laughs> so I'll hear about that. Uh, you know, uh, Dale LaSalle, uh, 21, 20, they'll go for a two point conversion and, and Patrick will uh, go for it. And then they'll miss. That's what I said last week. So, <laughs> but I think it will be a, uh, you know, a one point, three point kind of game uh, and Dale LaSalle. I'm not, I'm not being fair. I ask you for the predictions and I just keep saying, I won't be surprised if Corona Centennial wins. So I'll say modern day 24, 21 over Corona Centennial, but don't be surprised. (laughs) That's flipped. Um, And Corona Centennial wins. Modern day special teams is good. They got a kicker who doesn't really have much experience, but he kicked the game winner last week. So that'll, that'll help a lot. Uh, Bodie, you're potentially doing a double header on Friday. So we talked about that Chandler game a little bit. What about the other game Friday? Yeah, well, yeah, so I'm going to start actually on Thursday, uh, Steel Canyon and San Marcos, two teams that I expect both will probably be in the top 10 here in San Diego at some point uh, throughout the year, but two guys on either team have put up huge numbers so far. Uh, Steel Canyon, they're running back Major Givens, who if it weren't for Roderick Robinson, we'd probably hear a lot more about. I, I have him as the second best running back in the county. Uh, he's committed to Montana State, but I expect a lot of schools will be on him after what he's done so far. Uh, 457 yards in two games, over 10 yards per carry. So excited to see him against San Marcos. And for San Marcos, they're brand new staff this year, and they're starting a freshman quarterback, Crete Makahele. And he's thrown for 735 yards and eight touchdowns in his first two games. So uh, they brought back uh, Jason Texler, who was a longtime head coach at San Marcos. He's now back as the offensive coordinator. Um, really good offensive mind. So uh, this is one I expect to be a shootout. Both teams will probably not slow down the other one. So uh, looking forward to that one on Thursday. And then, as you said, the Honor Bowl gets started at Cathedral on Friday. Um, and the first game of that will be Red Mountain coming out from Arizona to play their opener against Modern Day Catholic. And I've seen Modern Day Catholic. They've had two two really tough losses so far, but to number one and number two in San Diego. And for Red Mountain, they've got some playmakers and the big name there, Jacoby Lane, um, a big 6'4 wide receiver, just committed to USC last week. So uh, excited to see how he matches up against a Modern Day Catholic team that has some guys in the secondary, Chris Snyder. 
Uh, and then Isaiah Buxton, who was one of the best junior cornerbacks, I think, on the entire West Coast. So seeing those two match up will be a fun one to start on Friday at four o'clock. Amazing. Lance, to you, are you going on Friday to Mission Viejo hosting Long Beach Poly? I know Thursday you're going to Ayala as well. I'll just let you uh, fill in where you're going and I'll stop guessing. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to see Ayala versus Lloyd Singer on Thursday. Uh, certainly Ayala projects as the favorite there. I think Lloyd Singer, that's a team that's had some blue chip guys over the last couple of years. And uh, I'm excited to see they're, they're looking for their breakthrough win. And this certainly would would qualify if they pull it out. So I, I don't know what to expect there, but obviously got to give Ayala the edge. And yeah, and then on Friday, it's Mission Viejo versus Long Beach Poly. Um, super excited to see that. Uh, I, you know, the I, I think the common common opinions going into this one is either that uh, Mission Viejo is going to beat them in a semi-blowout or that, uh, you know, may, maybe the underdog Jackrabbits are going to make this a close game and even have a chance to win. Uh, I, I don't know Long Beach Poly super well, even though I even though I saw them last year in the semifinals uh, against Sarah Gardena. So I, I don't have a whole lot of I, I don't have a whole lot of prediction about this one. If I had to pick a score, I'll say 31-21 Mission Viejo. But, um, you know, we, we talked about it last week. There have been some years where uh, Long Beach Poly had the dudes and didn't didn't quite live up to it, at least not on a consistent week to week basis. I think we're all in we're in agreement that this is certainly uh, Polly's year to uh, really be what they they can be uh, for lack of better wording. So I, I, I'm expecting them to come into this one saying this is where we make some noise so that we're beating not only uh, the very good and great teams, but that uh, we're returning to that elite tier. So I, I expect it to be a close game. And and yeah, I guess 31-21 uh, uh, Mission Viejo is the score there. And on on Saturday, I'm most likely going to see Losal against Basha. Basha, I don't even know what it is. One, I, all, all I know is one of the best teams in Arizona. And uh, Losal should be good and ready at for him after traveling 3,000 miles to face one of the best teams in Florida, uh, one of the best teams in the country in Florida last week. And now Losal has it at home. And uh, like we mentioned a little bit ago, that 100 degree heat could be an X factor. But uh, I, I think if I, I think if Basha's also where do you have them in your are, are they power 25 right now? I've seen other people rank them like top 10 in the country or top 20 or something. Where are they? We have them in the first 10 out. So from 26 to 35, somewhere in there. Yeah. So I, I think it's safe to say Losal's a, a, a little bit of an underdog in this one, but not. It's not like last week against American Heritage, especially on the road, uh, where you know it would be it would be a long shot for them to even make it close. Uh, I, I think with home field advantage, I, I think that should be a one score one score uh, differential. Um, that's pretty much it. Yeah, we'll see. Defensively, last week Los Alamitos did not look good, so I want to see what they look like. Their big transfer from Georgia, the defensive lineman, is not eligible yet, so that doesn't really help uh -huh. them. Um, Quickly, Lance, on the Long Beach Poly Mission Viejo front. So I went to that game last year, and I was so excited for it. And then Mission just spanked them. So I really hope that it, this this year is closer. And um, I, I want it to be closer because Long Beach Poly should be really good. I think Mission Viejo is really good. This is a big test for Long Beach Poly to show, even if they don't win, just make it close and, and show that you have what it takes to – I don't want to see Long Beach Poly in D5 this year. They're not a D5 team. So this is a big game for them because if it is closer, that'll help them in the, the Cal preps. And uh, we, we might see him in a good division because their league is so bad. So that hurts them uh, with this new playoff formula. But we can spend the whole other episode 
um, doing that. I'm not exactly sure where I'm going Thursday. I want to try to go to a LA city section football game on Thursday night. I haven't made up my mind yet. There are a million good games though. So that could change, but uh, I will definitely be somewhere Thursday. I'm really looking forward to coming out and covering one of those games. It's going to be hot though. So everyone stay hydrated. Um, any final thoughts? Usually no one doesn't, usually no one has any final thoughts, but I'll, I'll throw it out. Bodie, any bold predictions? Uh, you, you taking the Dons this week? No, they they signed up for this slate and and it's only getting going. They got De La Salle here in a couple of weeks. But once they get into league play, it'll be really competitive. Those will be, whether it's Madison, Lincoln, teams that are right in their neighborhood and ultimately be battling to make it into that open division bracket. Mitch, anything from you? Hot take to end the show? Yeah, hot take. Uh, pay attention to this kid. Uh, I'm sorry, we're doing stars a week. And uh, th- this one took the cake this kid justin cabrera hidalgo from uh, gunderson high school in san jose i've never seen a game there he scored six touchdowns which is nice five carries 94 yards three touchdowns he caught a pass for 40 yards he had a pick six he had a punt return for a touchdown and a kickoff return for a touchdown so uh, <laughs> the young lad did it all uh so remember that name justin cabrera hidalgo all right Thank you, Mitch. Lance, I'd ask you, but we are running out of time on the Zoom here, so we gotta we gotta wrap it up. Thank you so much to everybody for tuning in. This has been the SB Live California podcast. Going to try to do this every week. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to speak for the group, but I, I love doing these, so hopefully we can keep these up, and hopefully our listeners enjoy it too. So thanks so much, and we will see you next time.